Thanks, Emily. Should should have brought sunglasses. I'm fine. I'll be fine. Um. So this morning we are we're looking at a at a passage from Romans, uh, chapter twelve, of uh, the first eighteen verses, and uh, I'll. I'll get into the context of the letter and uh, sort of why Paul thought he needed to write a letter uh, in a little bit um, that I think will be helpful in, in terms of us understanding uh, what Paul's talking about here and uh, really for understanding the whole letter of, of Romans, um, which is just a, a thick and, and dense letter uh, that he wrote. So, um, Romans chapter 12, if, you wanna, if you've got it with you and you want to follow along the first 18 verses, before we, we read them, let's pray together. God, once again, uh, thank you for, for bringing us together. For bringing us together here in this outdoor space, for bringing us together uh, here in this virtual space, we are, uh, we're just grateful. Um, and as we open your word, God, we, we pray that that you would speak, that you would, that you would open our hearts and minds, so that your voice might be the the voice that we we hear, uh, and we ask God that even if it's in just some small way, that you would, that you would change us, that you would change our hearts, and that you would make us more like you, Jesus. Amen. So Romans 12, starting at verse 1, Paul says this, Therefore, I urge you, my brothers and sisters. Notice he's using familial language, like, like we're a family. I like that. My brothers, my sisters. I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you. So it's like, this was given, this isn't from me. So by grace that has been given to me, I, I'm now I'm going to share it with you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself... We we all have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is if it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy. God's people who are in need practice hospitality. Not their faith, right? So 
here's the deal, caused all sorts of pain and frustration. And Paul loved the church in Rome. And hearing about all that pain and frustration, it probably caused him heartburn because he didn't have omeprazole. He decided, you know what, I'm going to get some of this heartburn off my chest and I'm going to write them a letter. In fact, you could say that the whole letter, the whole book of Romans, the whole letter to that church, it was written for the purpose of making peace between these two groups of people. We've got to remember that with everything we, we read in this letter. So, Paul is writing to a deeply divided community. Deeply divided. Now, we don't know anything about that. We know nothing about division, right? These are ancient peoples with ancient problems, and we don't experience division in our world, right? Now, when I wrote those words on my computer, I used the sarcasm font, and I hope that that came through. Did it come through? Okay, good. So at the height of this letter, at the, at the height of it, written to a deeply divided community, he writes these words, Therefore I urge you, my brothers and sisters, family, right? In view of God's mercy given to all y'all, you both receive God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. Rather, think of yourself with sober, sober judgment. Oh, so good. And then he starts talking about how these people are bodies. And how they all have different functions. And they all have different ways of being. But, but they all belong to one another. He literally says that. Each part belongs to the other. He's very explicit about it. And then he goes on to talk about this special sauce that sort of holds this whole thing together. Holds all of these ideas uh, together. We will get to the special sauce later. Let's talk about this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Just don't do it. Don't conform to the, pat the pattern of this world. What are you talking about, Paul? What pattern of this world? Where are you going with this? What are you talking about? We could probably sit here for a good hour or so and talk about all sorts of different patterns in this world that we probably ought not to follow and perform our lives to, right? But why is he writing the letter? He's writing the letter because there's a deep division in the church. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I think he's talking about this split, this division, this conflict, this infighting, this butting of heads, this us versus them mentality. Friends, in Rome, they experienced division as much as anything we've experienced and probably even worse. Right? On every level of culture, there were divisions all over the place. It was a culture where certain ethnicities were given privilege. Those people who were free were seen as humans. Those people who were slaves, they were something else, something less than human. Men were always above women. And we could continue to list these divisions on and on and on and on. Racial, ethnic, economic, social, everything. All those divisions. Divisions in every corner of society. We know about divisions. Like, if we ever, if ever in the history of this country right now, 
We know divisions. Just spend five minutes scrolling through Facebook. You'll find divisions, big time. Hey, should we wear masks or not? Hey, is this coronavirus thing real or is it a hoax? Hey, is it just like the flu or is it something or is it something worse? Have you seen discussion? Have you seen this stuff? It's all over. Just spend five minutes scrolling. You'll find it. Just spend five minutes watching any news outlet, and I mean any news outlet, and you will find division, division, tribalism, taking sides, us versus them. That is the pattern of this world, and we are soaking wet with it. All of us. Like even Jesus' people are divided. That's the reputation that we have. We are dividers. We split things up. People who aren't connected to church, people who aren't connected to Jesus, that's how they see us. That's how they view us. Diana Butler Bass wrote about this last week on her website. I'm going to share you with you her words. Listen to what she says. I share with you her words because she's smarter than me, and she's awesome. Anyway, most people think Christianity is necessarily part of the wall-building enterprise, dividing things up. Many believe that to be a Christian means to reject other religions, to follow a singular way with an exclusive Savior. Church membership requires adherence to creeds and particular creeds and particular dogma, and if you don't, you can go somewhere else. Church membership requires adherence to creeds and particular dogma that proclaim Christian superiority over and against other lesser prophets and teachers. Bridge is not the infrastructure associated in popular culture with Christian wall, fortress, moat, yes, bridge, not really. She's not wrong. Is she wrong? She's not wrong. She's right. We, we Jesus people, we squabble over, I love that word by the way, squabble. We Jesus people, we squabble, fight over all sorts of different things. We separate from each other over sometimes the smallest of things. We separate from one another all the time. Agree with 95% of the church's teaching and then find out about the other 5%, it's fine. You can go down the street. There's another church. Problem is when you get there, eventually you're going to find out about their other 5%. And then you're going to have to go to another church. And then you're going to find out over there, eventually, oh, they have a 5% I don't agree with either. Right? Problem is, when Paul is writing this, he's writing this letter to this church in Rome, there's maybe best estimates or somewhere around 200 people-ish in the whole city of Rome. Maybe 10 house churches that sort of meet in different places and they form one church. They actually had to deal with their problems. They actually had to deal with their frustrations. They actually had to, they couldn't just walk down the street and go to another church. Why do we do stuff like this? Why? Because it is the pattern of this world. Is it not? I see it all over the place. Somewhere we've gotten this idea. I don't know where we got it. Somewhere we got this idea in our head that if we disagree with someone, we no longer belong to them. 
agree with someone, but we no longer belong to them. And we would never say that out loud, not with our lips, but we say it out loud with our behavior. We say it out loud with the way that we speak to one another, with people we disagree with. We say it out loud with our actions all the time. If we disagree with someone on something, somehow we no longer belong to one another. That idea is a lie. Let's just call it what it is. That is a lie. And I could, I could show you a whole bunch of different reasons. I could tell you a whole bunch of different things. I show you a million different ways in which that is a lie. Here's just one. So this last week I got an email. It was an urgent email from YSS, Youth and Shelter Services. They have homeless shelters for, for kids. But one of their uh, homeless shelters, Rosedale, was, was still without power on Thursday. All the food in their fridge and their freezer, it was all spoiled. Anybody else have that done? Yeah, throw, anybody throw away a bunch of food? Nobody. Y'all kept your food? So they call, or they send out an email. They've got an urgent, an urgent need. They want people to sort of coordinate meals and bring them to the shelter. Or if that's too hard, then, which it really is, then just go get some gift cards from different from a restaurant and, and just bring it so that they, they can go out and feed the children. I got that message. I was like, we can help out with that, right? So I coordinated with our out team, and within an hour, we had purchased $200 worth of Pizza Ranch gift cards, and we delivered them to the place. Awesome, right? Well, about a little bit later on that afternoon, I found out that within two hours of sending out that email, they had received nine different gift cards from various different restaurants around. Like the community came together and they did the thing. It was great. And they were so grateful. Now here's the deal. We don't know those kids. We don't know anything about those children. Those other people who helped out, we don't know who they are. We don't know anything about them. We don't know if we agree with them spiritually, religiously. We don't know if we don't know if they're white like we are. We don't know if, if we agree with them politically. And yet somehow all of us recognize that those kids who were hungry in a homeless shelter without food, they belong to us somehow. Those other people who helped, we don't know anything about them. But somehow we all came together because we belong to one another. That's the truth. That's the reality. And yet we live as if, if, if we disagree with somebody, we no longer belong to one another. This is what Paul is trying to teach these people. We belong to one another. We are a body, he says. We're all different, but we belong to one another. And here's the deal, all Paul is doing is he's riffing on the life and teachings of this guy we know. His name is Jesus. And he's applying it to this context in Rome. You know, Jesus came to show us exactly what it looks what God looks like. You know what else he did? He showed us exactly what it looks like to be a human being. It's why he didn't conform to the pattern of this world. 
is why he disregarded every single boundary and every single wall that we put up to separate ourselves from those people. Have you heard me say this ever? It's why he disregarded it. It's why he went over those walls and barriers and literally showed grace to everyone he met. Except maybe the religious hypocrites, as he called them. It's why he told stories like the Good Samaritan. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, awesome, because you heard my dad explain like a boss the meaning of that parable. And if you weren't here, you should go back on Facebook or YouTube and you can watch it because he said what I'm saying now better than I could ever say. That's why Jesus told stories like that. We belong to one another. We are a body. We may be different, but we all belong to one another. By virtue of our connection with Jesus, we are now we are now part of this enterprise of creating a whole new community, a whole new humanity, one that does not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, great. So how do we do it? Thank you for asking that question. We'll get to it. First, sort of infighting, headbutting, us versus them stuff that was happening in Rome was all because of different interpretations of uh, religious, we would call them traditions or religious uh, rules. So let's talk about that word rule for a moment. Canon is the Greek word for rule. It means area or sphere. When you translate that word into Latin, it's regula. Recognize that? That's where we get our word regulation. It means straight stick or bar. So listen to this. The original root meaning, the original meaning of that root, regula, means trellis. Anybody know what a trellis is? You know what a trellis is? <laughs> trellis is basically this scaffolding that you stick in the ground and it helps a plant grow heavenward, grow up, so that it can grow and flourish. Once it can't support its new its weight, put a trellis there and it helps it grow up and become exactly what it was made to be. It's a beautiful image, right? That's what religious rules and practices are for. And finally, Paul gets to really the only one that matters. Only one that really, really matters. It's the one that Jesus gave us. There's this one time Jesus was challenged by, by a teacher of the law. Pharisee. What's the most important commandment, Jesus? What's the greatest one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love people. Love. That's it. That's the one rule. That's the one that matters. Love. Paul finally gets there. He says, he says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another, above yourselves, and everything he says beyond that all has to do with love. All that stuff he started talking about with the body, it all has to do 
with love. Do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. Consider yourself with sober judgment and on and on and on. Practice hospitality. If we would just do that, love. Friends, this is the kind of love that is usually reserved for flesh and blood, for family. That's why he's very intentional about using these words, brothers and sisters. He wants them to understand that we are family. So it's this kind of love that's usually reserved for flesh and blood, family, but now turned outward and extended to the world. This is the down and dirty, deep kind of love. This is the kind of love that says, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere for you. I'll even give my life for you if I absolutely have to. This reminds me of a scene in Forrest Gump. The only reason I thought of it is because a few months ago when the pandemic started, CBS, was it, I think, decided they were going to have movie night. I think it was on Sunday night, and we watched part of Forrest Gump. And this scene in the movie is probably one of the most most dramatic, and maybe it, it, it's one that I'm not going to describe it very well. I wish I, could, I wish I could show it to you, but it's one that brings tears to my eyes every time. So Forrest Gump is serving in Vietnam with his, with his best big friend, Bubba. And they come under enemy, enemy fire. And then Forrest is told to do the thing that he does the best, which is run. run, Forrest, run. So he turns and he runs. He runs in that way that he runs straight up and down. He's got his gun with him. He's just running. He's trucking along and all of a sudden he stops and he finds himself completely alone all by himself. And he thinks to himself, what does he think? Bubba. I gotta go get Bubba. So he turns around and he runs back in to the jungle. Enemy fire coming all over. And he finds this man who's been hurt. And he's like, oh man, I can't just leave him here. So he puts him over his shoulder and he runs to the river and puts him down on the bank. He runs back into the jungle, finds another guy. Can't leave him here picks him up, carries him out, lays him down by the river in safety, does it one more time, then he runs, and again he finds Lieutenant Dan, who's calling down napalm on the jungle to burn the enemy alive, and he picks Lieutenant Dan up, and Lieutenant Dan does not want to go, because he can't move his legs, he wants to die a hero's death, and Forrest is like, nah, I'm going to save you too, he runs him out, four people, then he runs back in, and he finally finds Bubba. And Bubba's on the ground, and he's mortally wounded, but yet he's alive. He picks him up, and he carries him out. He runs to the riverbank while Napalm rains down behind him. He lays Bubba down, and they have this beautiful, intimate conversation. And describing that experience later, Forrest says this, Bubba was my very best big friend. And even I know that ain't something you can find just around the corner. And Bubba didn't make it. He died right there in the arms of his best friend. He risked everything to go in there and bring him out. Bubba died with the peace that comes from knowing that he was dearly loved.
dearly loved, and he didn't die alone. But that's the kind of love that Paul is talking about. To cause your friends to risk their lives for you, risk their reputation to help you, save you. They'll come back for you when you're under fire from whatever it is you're under fire from. They'll come back for you when a cancer grenade goes on in your life. They'll come back for you when your marriage is in complete shambles. This list will go on and on. Love. It's our one rule. It's our one rule. The one rule that will provide the framework for spiritual growth. It's a pattern for living that allows us and everybody else to grow and to flourish and to become exactly who God intends for us to be. So we can continue conforming to the patterns of this world if we want to. We can do it on Facebook. We can do it on Twitter. We can do it wherever it is we find ourselves. Or we can choose love. Because here's the deal. If it doesn't have anything to do with love, it probably doesn't have much to do with Jesus. So let's choose love. Because in choosing love, always, in every circumstance, choose love. Let love be your one rule. Your one guide. The trellis is helping you grow and everybody else grow. Love. Let's choose love. Because in choosing love, we choose, we choose Jesus. If we choose Jesus, really choose Jesus in His way, it literally will change everything. That's all I got to say. God, thank you. Uh, thank you for your word. And we know that these are sort of weird, awkward cultural times that we're living in and it's hard it's hard not to get caught up in the pattern of this world because it's so strong and it's out there and it's always been out there tribalism, division us versus them mentality, it's everywhere so God, we need transformed hearts so that we can love so that we can love each other and so that together we can love the world, even people with whom we disagree. That is the only way. We know this deep down, we know it. But it's going to take a miracle of your spirit to make it happen in us. Please, God, make it so. Let us be a part of creating this new humanity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's stand.